Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks but never produced and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I am Andrew Reich, the creator and host of Dead Pilot Society. It is the second and final week of Max Fun Drive, the one time of year where all of the shows on the Maximum Fun Network reach out to you, our beloved listeners, and ask you to become members or to renew or upgrade your membership and to make these shows possible. This is the after show for Greatest American Heroes, and it features my interview with Andy Bobro, writer and producer on Community, Last Man on Earth, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, etc. You are here for the after show, which means you really like Dead Pilot Society. It means you're interested in the interviews we do with the creators of these dead pilots. You're not just interested in hearing the table reads, you're interested in hearing the writer's stories about breaking into the TV business, navigating staffing and working their way up to the point where they can sell a pilot that can eventually be read on this podcast. So that means that this show has value to you and I'm gonna be asking you to support it. So you're gonna be hearing from me more than usual this episode. Uh, I'm gonna talk about all the cool gifts and rewards you can get for becoming a member. And the reasons why, if you're listening, especially if you're listening to this after show, you should really consider supporting us by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. I'll be back in a bit, but for now, enjoy my interview with Andy Bobro. All right. Here with Andy Bobro. All right. Whose, na- whose name I know how to say. <laughs> um, Andy, I, I'm excited about this because... Uh, I've known your name, although I didn't know how to pronounce it, but I've known your name for quite a while, but we, we didn't get to meet until doing doing your pilot, and you've worked on a lot of things that I'm excited to talk to you about. Oh, you're too kind. So let's, uh, I'm just curious, I don't know anything about you. Where, where, where are you from, and, and how did you get started uh, as a TV writer? Uh, I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. Um uh went to school there michigan state university uh and um started out in advertising uh out of college you know i had two i i i had two two skills going into college one was that i could play the tuba and the other was uh that i could write could i i could write funny stuff and um and i actually majored in music for a year and a half and then decided that wasn't my calling and um, got an English degree. The ever so did you play tuba? I played tuba, you play in, tuba the, in like a sim- in a symphony, like in, in, a, in, in a, an orchestra, uh, in, a, in a concert band, uh, um, okay. in a, in a brass band, yeah, and also in the in the marching band. Okay, so I was a band geek. Okay, um, so you played sousaphone and tuba. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I still go back once a year for uh, alumni band day. It's hilarious. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. No. So I had a, you know, uh, I, um, went from college to, um, what you do, I think in the Midwest, if you, if you're kind of, uh, clever and can write, uh, I got a job in advertising. Um, and I did that and that was really my first career and I did it for like 15 years or so. Um, and that moved me out to LA. I I worked at a couple different ad agencies, uh, in Detroit and I, uh, came out to LA just because I wanted, I really wasn't thinking Hollywood per se. I just wanted to be in a bigger market, uh, a bigger city. I just wanted to spread my wings a little and 
and uh, and I worked and at. Were a, you working at one of the big? Yeah, I worked firms at out here? a place here called uh, Campbell Ewald, uh, which had uh, Chevrolet and um, uh, Princess Cruise Lines. Uh, some other. What else did we have at Campbell Ewald? Uh, um, it's, it's it's not going to be the most interesting part of this uh, interview. And then but I were went there to, any campaigns that we would know? No, that you no, were no. For? I, no uh, nothing uh, iconic. You're you're not the where's the beef? I didn't uh, do where's milk. the beef. I never did a <laughs> Super Bowl commercial. I did a lot of work for Acura. I mean, I could describe car commercials to you, and you'd go, "Oh yeah, I think I saw that," but that's because it was a car commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, so it was at, um, uh, a, a, from there, a few years after uh, living here uh, and starting to think that it might be possible to to um, work in entertainment in a different, in a bigger way. Uh, and I met a guy at work who said, who had taken uh, improv classes at the Groundlings. And he said it was fun, and I had always kind of wanted to see if I could do that, and uh, so I, I just started taking improv classes, and uh, it was fun. It was terrifying, and it was fun, and uh, also at that in that program, you know what the, uh, actors will say like that it's kind of cutthroat there. That the world of improv, people coming up in in uh, aspiring improvisers are like it's a it's a it's an oddly competitive world. And it scares a lot of people away. But for me, what ended up happening was um, the like the improv stuff I was terrible at and, and did scare the hell out of me. And being on stage, was, I, you know, I was no good at that. Um, uh, but the, 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 the more classes you take there, the more you get into the writing and sketch writing, which right. I was good at. Because uh, uh, in my ad career, I kind of had started to specialize in radio commercials. This was back when people made radio commercials. Um, and radio commercials are little 60-second sketches. Um, and I love doing it because people left me alone and I could just be dumb uh, and, <laughs> and write little bits and make people laugh. And uh, and I was in charge. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it was good. It was a good career. But it was at the Groundlings that I met some people who were further along in their careers. And one of them, you know, I was in a, um, I was in a cast in the Sunday show at the Groundlings. Um, I was in a cast with a bunch of people before they were famous, including Will Forte and Maya Rudolph, um, Cheryl Hines, Rachel Harris, Jim Rash, Nat Faxon. Um, God, I'm probably missing other people who went on to have big careers and a lot of other, you know, very talented people who, whose names you wouldn't know, but who have, you know, uh, gone on and become writers. And Forte and Fort, uh, Will um, had worked as a writer. He didn't get, hadn't been done SNL yet, uh, but he had gotten some work as a writer and he just, um, we hit it off and he thought I was funny and he, he introduced me to his agent uh, actually, Will said, have you ever thought about doing writing for TV? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I've got a pretty good thing going here. I was afraid to say yes. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was so sweet. And then he introduced me to his agent, and his agent said, well, I don't really need to. He said, I, I, um, Will says you're funny, uh, so that's good for me, uh, but you got to send me something. you got to give me something I can sell. And then it took me quite a while to get um, like a – a spec script uh, to uh, he t his assignment for me was not to write a spec, uh, write an original pilot, 
And he said, don't reinvent the wheel. Just do a version of Friends, but, you know, make it in your style. <laughs> do your voice. Let people know, you know, how you entertain people. What makes you laugh? Uh, which was, I thought, pretty good advice. And it took me quite yeah. a while. I, I tried and failed. Uh, you know, I, I sent him, the, the first thing I sent him, he said, uh, I can, I'm not going to show this to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but that was really the, I mean, it sounds like that was like the first real script for television that you had ever written, no? Yes. At some point along the way, sometime around there, uh, uh, I also took a class. Then I, I had started to become interested in it and think maybe I could do this. And I had, took, I had taken a class at AFI a sitcom writing thing uh, uh, like a I don't know how many was six weeks or, or ten weeks or something uh, where you outline you know you you outline a, a script and then you uh, I remember like you, you you spend a few weeks outlining a script and getting feedback and then the class took a break and there was like I don't know I think four weeks or some ungodly long amount of time where we were all supposed to write our draft and I did, you know, I, I left that class and I didn't write and I didn't write and I didn't write. And it was like, you know, it was just like college. It was just like the the weekend before I was like, God damn it. There are, I bet you a lot of people are going to show up with nothing and I don't want to be one of them. And I like forced myself, you know, I pulled an all nighter and wrote a terrible script and it was a speck <laughs> of Ellen. <laughs> okay, so the class was writing specs of existing yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the Growlings was sometimes, was I think the Growlings was just after that. So that was my first foray. And then, yeah, and then I had this agent, Will Forte's agent, who said, write who me reject, something. Who rejects your first Who, re- who your says, first I can't. Attempt. He said, I, but you know what? I, I think that was a really good thing to happen to me um, because he wasn't saying you suck and he wasn't saying you're not good enough to do this, which is all I was thinking. You know, that's why <laughs> I, I, you know, it took me a year and a half to show him anything. Um, but he was just saying, I can't sell this I, I can't do anything with this and I and I thought that was the right way to that's that's the right way to reject to reject someone right I mean it wasn't about me or my ability it was about the thing I wrote and he was just like I, I'm not going to show this to anyone uh it won't I won't be able to do anything with it and it won't make you look good and but he was open to reading something else but he was like yeah keep trying and then I would call him every once in a while and I'd say I'm, yeah I just want you know because I thought you know what happens to a young writer and I thought this is my chance um, and I'm and I'm blowing it. I'm blowing it as we speak. I'm watching myself blow it, right? <laughs> like because I'm not sending him anything. And then I would call him and I would uh, and I, or I'd email him and I'd say, Hey, I just want you to know I'm still here. I'm still work. I'm gonna, I'm going to get you something good. <laughs> and then he said another really smart thing to me, which was, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Andy, this is your career. Uh, you know, I'll do. I'll help you if I can. I mean, that was it. Was it's really that simple. Um, and it reminded me that this is uh, there's no one. Yeah, yeah, he's not sitting around. He's not sitting around waiting for. He's not worried about who script, about no. me. <laughs> he's not thinking about me. He, he make he is a money making machine. He knows what to do if you if you give him the right thing to sell, he'll go sell it. Uh, so, yeah. and eventually, I wrote a thing that he liked, uh, and then he got me. And right around that same time, uh, I had also. Oh God, Andrew! You just started me talking, and look at me go. I'm just telling you the whole story. Yeah, well, that's what we're here for. I want to hear it. I, I had started. You know, since this was a second career for mine, I was already getting close to forty, and I was already think, and I was thinking, you know what? 
I don't think this is going to happen. I think I'm already too old for this. I think I can't, I think I can't do it. I think I've blown it. Like I was mad at myself and judging myself. And you go through all these mind games as a writer, as a creative person. You go th- there are, uh, your brain will destroy you. Um, and you go through all these mind games and you all, and your, your little voice in your head will tell you all the reasons why you're, why you don't deserve this and why you, you right. are, who, what, who are you fooling? It's Anne Lamott in uh, bird by bird, uh, tuning into K fucked, right? Oh, K-F-K-D, oh, oh she talks yes, about, exactly. Like, you know, you're, 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 you're yep. tuning into K fucked yep. and you're listening to, yeah. And K fucked was telling me like, uh, oh, you, you know what? You blew it. You waited too long. You know, you can't, you moved to LA too, too old. Like, uh, so I went through that whole judgment and then also like the whole thing of like, okay, you know what? Um, you're a creative person. You know, get, bring it down to the, your core values. This is what I. This is how I call myself, and it's not the smartest way. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, in my own fucked up way, I have this. I have this little sort of method where I go, "What is it that you want? What What would you pray for if prayer worked? And make sure that it's something that could that that could happen." <laughs> um, the example is like. What do I want? I want a job in television. But what do I really want? I want the affirmation. I, you know, what I really want is the feeling of having that job in television. And there are other ways to get that feeling. So, that's, so I do this whole thing because I'm, you know, I was also in, uh, I've been sober for 22 years now. And so that was happening right around the same time. So I'm having a spiritual life and I'm telling myself things, you know, I'm, I'm working my steps. And I'm telling myself, what do you really want? Uh, is the feeling of is that feeling you get when you make someone laugh? Uh, you know that's what we want. That's what we want as as creative people. We want to connect with someone. We want to connect with strangers, and we want to feel that we're having an effect on them because we're all introverts and we're all uh, scared of of uh, real human interaction. But we want to know that we matter, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? You can get that feeling whether or not you become a television writer. You can get that feeling. You can just entertain people. And there was this, so uh, what was floating around in my head was I had an idea for a short film that I wanted to make. And so right around the time, I just decided to just make that film. Okay, I was hoping we were going to get to this because I'm interested. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. When I was okay. goofing around at the Groundlings, you know, uh, do, I- improvising with people, uh, a phrase popped into my head. We were imitating, uh, me and uh, this guy, Kevin Ruff, we, we were imitating uh, uh, John Kennedy. Um, and I was doing. <laughs> a terrible John Kennedy impersonation that we will get to the moon in this decade. I always love the way he says decade. <laughs> um, but uh, I pulled up this bit that me and another friend of mine used to do all the time, which was to imitate, it's terribly politically incorrect, which to imitate John F. Kennedy um, uh, as a racist, sexist pig. So, you know, it was like, I would like three fine young women delivered to my hotel room. You know, it's that sort of thing. Uh, (laughs) And as I'm riffing with it, I'm like, we will send a white man to the moon by the end of this decade. Uh, And so all of a sudden I realized that it kind of came to me fully formed that you could do a fake documentary as if the uh, as if there were a black space program parallel to the white space program just like in baseball there was a black there was a negro league and a white league so i had what i had in my head was the title uh, uh the old negro space program and i right. knew and that title made me laugh 
<laughs> and so I'm sitting there feeling bad for myself, feeling like, you know, oh, you're not going to make it. Oh, uh, um, and I hadn't written, I hadn't written that good script yet. I was just trying, but I was telling, my, it, it, I was like, you know what, what, what you can do is just make this movie because I didn't, I wasn't a filmmaker, but it was all Photoshop, uh, and I liked playing around in Photoshop. My wife is a graphic designer, uh, and so I had all the, I had, the, I had the apps. Right, you could do the, you could do the Ken Burns. <laughs> I could effects. do the Ken Burns thing till the cows came home, <laughs> and uh, so I just produced this. Uh, I sort of half produced it. I wasn't done with it yet. And right at the time, and, and right around that time, I finished that script. I was having, I, you know, so for that year, I don't know what year it was, uh, 2003 maybe, 2002, I was having a very creative year because I had finally, Anne Lamott style, I'd finally just I decided <laughs> to tune out that radio station and just start making things. And uh, results be damned. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm yeah. just going to do things. I'm just going to do what I'm in control of. I'll just do it. And then... And have you you still got your day job at this point? Or I no? still have yes, you I do, never quit day my job. day okay. job. So I'm working at okay. Gray Advertising at this point, which is on Wilshire and Fairfax, or was. Um, and I'm doing like pedigree brand pet food commercials. <laughs> um, and I'm telling myself, you know what? Here's the thing. That's something to laugh at, but it also it pays pretty well and they love me. And it's like if so if this doesn't work out, what have I lost? I got a good job. <laughs> You know right. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty nice <laughs> cushion there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and that freedom, whatever it was, gave me, gave me, helped me feel creative enough to write a, a pretty funny script, and and to make this movie. And so, what happened was this agent now um, had heard about at Malcolm in the Middle. They had there was an opening in the middle of the season, um, and they liked a script of mine. Uh, uh, and they said, what else does he have? And so he calls, Matt calls me and says, they're, they're, they kind of like that script. They ask if you have anything else. And I said, well, I have, I'm not done with it, but I have this movie I'm making. And it had my voice on it as a temp voice track, me doing something I would never, I can't play this for you because I was doing, I was imitating an old black man. Um, you know, doing also the whole movie really shouldn't shouldn't exist. <laughs> like we're in a we're in an era now where I honestly do uh, I would not make that movie uh, today. I think I I didn't think about it at the time or at the time I thought oh well Dave Chappelle can do this so that means I can do it. But I think in in 2022 that doesn't mean I can do it. And I right. probably I mean, should look. Have. I I haven't. I think I maybe saw it at some point. Although I don't know if 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 it was a very long time ago. But but fundamentally, it is satirizing the racism of that era. Right. Um. And so to me, it's just like you know, I don't know. It's a little bit like when people say, "Oh, Blazing Saddles." How could you show Blazing Saddles here? Because I'm like, Blazing Saddles is an incredibly anti-racist mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. Um. But it does. <laughs> it, have, it's yeah. just. But it has this language and it has some things that are like uncomfortable or sensibilities. Right. But at its core, it's a very strong anti-racist movie. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. But it, you know, sometimes that argument is a tough one to make. So yeah, certainly yeah. you wouldn't. You wouldn't have been making this. I wouldn't do it today. What was like Jordan Black and people? You know, Jordan he was Black in it, right? Was he at ground? Was he in Groundlings? Yes. He, he, I also met him at the Groundlings. Okay. He, so he's a brilliant. Guy. He is really brilliant. Hmm. And when I told him the title of this thing, he said, fuck you, <laughs> which is the, really the highest compliment any writer can pay another writer. Um, <laughs> in a kind of, why didn't I think of that? In a you? kind of, why like, didn't I think? Yes, I, I, I understood what he meant by that was like, yeah. God damn it. Okay, so Malcolm in the Middle gets, so then he, gets yeah, sent so the, this On the strength this of those two pieces. <laughs> On the okay. strength of those two, yeah, I sent it as a like I sent him a web link uh, to this thing in progress. Um, yeah, on the strength of those two pieces, they wanted to meet me, 
Um, and it was such a great day. God, I'll never forget this. Um, agent called and said, don't get too excited. Don't get your hopes up. But they like the script. I'm working, you know, uh, uh, you know, so it's like weeks are going by and I'm hearing that they're thinking about it, blah, blah. And then he said, don't get too excited, but they want to meet you. And here's the deal. They um, are thinking they might. <laughs> oh, he, 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 they want to meet you and uh, they're going to have you pitch some stories. Uh, so that's cool. And I, they were really nice about it. I talked to a guy, uh, one of the upper ups there, Neil Thompson, called and said, are, are you familiar with the show? Which is a really good question. And I said, I'm getting up to speed as fast as I can. What season are they in at this point? Four. Okay. Uh, and he said, here's the, you know, you know the characters. And I said, yes, of course. And he said, here's the kind of stories we're looking for. So he helped me. He guided me to, like, here's oh, what we nice. want to see you from us- you. You don't usually get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm driving there. Um, and my agent calls me on the way to this meeting. And he says, um, what's your week looking like? And I said, I, um, fine. Uh, why? And he said, I don't know. This is what's good about uh, my one of the many things I love about my agent is that he has this great court sense. Like he, he really he's he kind of sniffs out where what's happening behind. You know, he reads people really well. Uh, the whole story of how he got my script to the showrunner was a pretty good agenting story, actually, because he there was a writer there who was vetting material uh, and he heard that, you know, this writer said to my agent, uh, Andy's at the top of the pile, but he kept not giving it, he kept not giving it to the showrunner. And my agent sussed out that there's probably something between this writer and this showrunner that isn't, isn't functioning. And he was correct. Mm. And he further sussed out that he could use the little piece of information that so-and-so loves Andy he went and ran into the showrunner's Linwood Boomer, and his wife is uh, Tracy Katsky, who was a, an executive at Fox at the time. So Matt g- casually drops, you know, runs into Tracy somewhere and says, "Hey, you should read this guy Andy Bobro. So and so loves him. He, uh, your husband's probably going to hire him." <laughs> <laughs> so then he gets my script. So she says, "I'll take a look at it." She so she was she was reading my script in bed and laughing, and her husband snatches it out of her hands to see what's so goddamn funny. Wow. And that was good agenting, right? I mean, that's, that's great agenting. Yeah, yeah, that's really understanding the players yeah. and how things work. Yeah, and, yeah. So he calls Very me on the way to this meeting, and says, "What's your week looking like?" And I said, "What are you sniffing out now?" And he goes, "I'm getting such a weird. I'm getting a weird vibe from them, but I have the, I have a hunch it might just go down that they ask you to write to stay and write a draft." And sure enough, that's what happened. And I think what he figured, what he heard, or what he figured out was. This happens all the time on network shows. Uh, you know, when you've got a 22-episode season, right around Christmas time is when you start to run out of runway. Um, yeah. And uh, this was right around, this was like in uh, late November, early December, I think. And um, what they had, they were in a situation basically where um, a script was going to have to be written over the holiday break and n- no one wanted None to write. None of the writers it. wanted to work over no Christmas. No one wanted to work over Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> And on that show, they were so thorough about their outlining that they felt they could just throw it. They they really could just throw a script to uh, someone who had never written a a script professionally before. Mm. And uh, that's what they did. I went in. I met them. I pitched my stories. They said, oh, this is cool. This is uh, we've done this or we wouldn't do that. And um, 
And at the end of the meeting, they were like, well, you seem like a pretty decent guy. They really just wanted to make sure I wasn't psycho. And I it came off as not psycho enough. <laughs> and they said, okay, well, so what we're thinking is we have this story that we're sort of in the middle of, and we're probably just going to have you write it. Uh, what's your day looking like? And I said, I, I work here now. <laughs> and before I knew it, a PA was handing me a lunch menu. And that was my welcome into my first writing job. A Incredible. lunch menu. And so, and so they gave you so they, the outline and then I walked and into the room. Off. I was scared to death. I sat in the room with them for, four, for the rest of that week. Uh, I called my boss and told him what the fuck was happening, and I said, "I can't. I'm so sorry. I can't. I had a very good relationship with my boss at that ad agency as well." And he said, "Take vacation time. Congratulations. Take vacation time. You know." Uh, he said, "What do you need?" And I said, "I just, I, I just need, um, uh, uh, I just need a week and a half." And he said, "Okay." Uh, and so, yeah, I sat in the room while they finished breaking the story and pitching it to the showrunner. And then they gave, they sent me off with an outline. The outlines, like I said, the outline of a Malcolm in the Middle episode was longer than the script. It was mm. like reading the Talmud. It was like a paragraph for each <laughs> uh, scene and then the the showrunner's commentary on that paragraph. And it was very well uh, organized. The, the writers, the right assistants on that show were great, too. <laughs> but, yeah. And then over the holiday, I wrote a script, and I, I turned it in, and they liked it enough. It, I was also told, like, they're not going to hire anyone. They just want this script. And I was like, okay, okay. He was just setting my expectations. And then they liked it enough, and they said, well, why don't we just he, – he's funny. We'll just keep him around. So that's how I got And they brought you in. on as a staff writer for the rest of that for season. For the rest of that to, season, yeah. That's that, And then you were there one more – how many more years uh, after that? Uh, I did three more years. Oh, three uh, more years. Five, so. six, and seven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, wow, it's such a great show. It's it's funny that that sh- I feel like it's not a show that you know the, the kids still. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, it's not a show I hear about kids watching yeah. and, and reruns so much, which is weird because it's it's so good. It's one of the great pilots of yeah. all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't know. It's um, that's a good question. Well, you know what? Even my son. I thought uh, I, I showed it to him when he was around that age, uh, uh, you know, fifth, sixth grade. Maybe I tried too early. I don't know. But he hmm. yeah, he didn't take to it either. Hmm. And I was yeah, like, this is brilliant. <laughs> I know it really is brilliant. And it's just cool, too, that you're on a show where they did. You know what you're talking about with those outlines, with that detailed outline. It's something that's it's quite rare. Yeah. Um, but is so key. You know, well run shows do that. Absolutely. And then ones that shows that get into trouble are just kind of like, uh, you know, something like this. And these really skimpy outlines where they think the writer's going to somehow. Yeah. Just figure oh, yeah, out writer discovery. Out. Yeah. And, yeah. And then it's a recipe you know, you for get something unusable. Um, yeah, but, yeah, and then the writer feels bad because they're like, "Well, I got screwed," and then the yeah. and you don't know how the showrunner is going to respond. Like you try, I've been in that situation as like a number two where I'm like, "I know you got screwed. We, yeah. we don't, trust me, we know we know you got screwed. This is not your fault." We sent, but we're rewriting we you the story. off. Half, <laughs> we sent you off half cocked. We sent you off with something that like yeah, really yeah. wasn't thought through, oh, and God. and you're set up to fail. And yeah, and then everyone feels bad. It's just a you know, yeah. it, it's incredible yeah. how common. 
<laughs> that is because I feel like yeah. because so many shows work that way, then people come off those shows and they've never been on the show that uh-huh. does it like Malcolm uh-huh. that knows how to do it. Because friends, you know, friends, we it was a very similar thing. A friends outline uh-huh. was extremely detailed. Yeah, like in each scene, it was like here's the shape of the scene. It right. starts here, <laughs> right. and then right. this is the next beat of the scene, and then this is the next beat, and ends here. And yes, you, know, so you really knew. You maybe had a couple jokes that were usable. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, yeah, so you your job writing it is to is to smooth it out. Uh, yeah. uh, basically, just type it, smooth it out, <laughs> add whatever jokes you can. Uh, the, my job, I felt like at Malcolm in the Middle, a big part of your job was deciding what to cut from the outline. Like, right. Because <laughs> yeah, the script would just be way too yeah, long. Yeah, it would be 45, 50 in. pages, and then you'd be like, uh, yeah. Okay. It's Max Fun Drive, people. This is the one time a year where we put a lot of energy into letting you know how you can support this show as a member. So I am here asking you, will you please join us as a member by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. All right. I want to thank everyone who's already joined, renewed, upgraded, boosted. Thank you so much. I'm sorry that you have to listen to this pitch. You and only you people who have already joined, renewed, upgraded, boosted, you have permission to hit that fast forward button. Everyone else, stick around. Because last week, I said that we have a goal of 550 new or upgrading members. And the sad fact is that as of this day that I'm recording this, uh, here in week two, we are not close to that goal. We are looking like we're not going to make it. Remember, I told you... Um, Last week, during last year's fun drive, only 7.5% of our listeners became members. Look, we're not looking to get to 100%. I know that's not realistic, but we are looking to up that percentage a bit. And we're looking for 550 people. That's not a crazy number. Um, And I know it's a tough time right now. A lot of things are more expensive. I realize that. But we are not asking anyone to break the bank. We're asking you to support our show for $5 a month. $5 a month, you get all of our bonus content from this year and years past. You'll get access to Weekend Vampire by Steve Agee. If you don't know what that is, you need to join and listen to it, and you'll feel like your money was well spent. So if you go to MaximumFun.org slash join, you can join us starting at $5 a month. If you're already a member, you can upgrade to a higher level of membership, or you can boost to an in-between level. Or you can even buy someone a gift membership, and that person will also get access to our bonus content, plus the bonus content from every other Maximum Fun show. Like if you've ever gotten a laugh out of one of our pilots, if you've ever learned something about television or writing or life from one of my interviews with writers, join today. Do it now while it's fresh in your mind. It is good to support the things that you like. Those things tend not to stick around if you don't. So go to go to MaximumFun.org, MaximumFun.org slash join. And now back to my interview with Andy. You get hired as a staff writer and you just call your boss, the advertising agency back and say, I'm going to need a lot more than a week and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I Well, I, I did that gig. You know, I wrote that script over Christmas. Uh, and I went back to work, um, in January. Um, and it was a couple months. I I think it was probably, yeah, it was another, it was a month or so 
before I got the call that they want to just bring you in. And then I made them, they wanted me to start tomorrow, you know, because they're, t- they're used to, TV shows are used to hiring people who have nothing else going on. Right. <laughs> they're used to hiring people who are driving past the building when they get the phone call. Yeah. Um, and so I, I said, you guys, I'm, I have to wrap some things up here. I'm so sorry. Uh, so they, I, I split the difference. I was supposed to give two weeks notice and I gave one week and, uh, they were the people at gray advertising, God bless them. They were so good to me, (laughs) but my, you know what? Um, I've had guardian angels for many of the important moments in my life. Like I just, uh, I don't know why that's just how it's just how it's worked for me. Uh, people, um, at crucial moments, people have taken care of me and I, I don't know why. Because I don't give back. I don't give a fuck about it. <laughs> but this isn't true. I, I, you said in the email that you've been making chocolate. You make chocolate for people. Come on, you can't say you don't give back. That's true. Yeah, That's true. Back. I do. Yes, um, I, gave, I sent everyone chocolate. Wait, did you get? So, did I send you? No, you didn't. I didn't send you chocolate yet. All right. No, you'll give me your address and I'll send to, it. All right, I need to get some chocolate. Um, <laughs> how do you think having that job? Like, first of all, you know, so an advertising job for for most TV writers is like the the job you give to a character because you really want mm-hmm. to make them a television writer, but the network won't let you do that, so <laughs> right. you make them an advertising guy, right. even though you don't know anything <laughs> about how. Uh, the advertising business works. Um, <laughs> how do you think it has served you to have had that other career, you know, in your time as a TV writer? Because a lot of TV writers come out of college and, you know, are like a writer's assistant and then get hired and have never yeah. really done anything other than be a TV writer. It's a, it's a very, it's a really mixed bag because part of me think, part of me has often thought, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I had come out of here after college. I, basically, my whole peer group is about eight years younger than me. And so I often go, when I really want to feel sorry for myself, I go, God damn it, I should be eight years younger. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, the flip side of it is um, I have been writing professionally. Uh, whether you respect copywriting or not, I have been do- <laughs> I've been putting words on paper for money. Uh, and and all that goes with that. The main thing being, well, well, well here's the story: is like um, w- that first script uh, when I got back into the room at Malcolm in the Middle, and they were prepping it to shoot it, and there was a lot of rewriting going on. And an- another writer turned to me and said, um, "How does it feel to be like so heavily rewritten?" And I said, "I've been rewritten by a lot stupider people than you guys." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so right. I th- you're not getting rewritten by the people, the folks at Acura. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Get rewritten by fucking uh, Princess Cruise Lines and then talk to me. Um, so I think, but honestly, I think that yeah, having having client experience, uh, having white collar experience helped me a lot because, uh, among other things, in a, as an advertising writer, you learn. Um, <laughs> you learn how to make your peace with the fact that it's not going to be what you wanted. Right. <laughs> you get all the the auteurism beaten out you of you. You get all the auteurism quickly. beaten out of you. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, which is good to, to be a TV writer. You, well, you, I think it helped me. I mean, I am a total suck up, especially with executives. I mean, that's my survival strategy. Um, but also because I genuinely like people that I work with. Um, but I, yeah, I think it does help me. There's because even if you're not taking a note, there's you don't have to be disagreeable. I mean, uh, it, like it or not, it is a collaboration because they have right. the money. 
And you also, you know, it just it seems like you got a thick skin. You have to have a thick skin. Yeah, you, have, you can't yeah. take these things personally. And right. you have to be able to come back and be reasonable about it. Or, right, right. You know. um, also, you go a, down, what you end up doing, it's like you can complain about this, but it only wastes time. Like you, you, you end up going down some, some blind alleys and then going, oh, I tried this thing that you suggested and it didn't work. Um, right. But I respect you enough to have tried it. Um, here's what it looks like. It's I think you agree. It's 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 not what we want. Like let me try something else. So you end up doing a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So you stay through season seven on Malcolm in the Middle. Oh yeah. Um, so so and, and so that's some pretty good experience. So you're there for like three and a half years. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, you're writing a bunch of scripts along the way and yeah you know. yeah I wrote I ended up writing seven scripts. Is that right? Yeah, I ended up writing seven scripts at Malcolm. Okay, uh, I know and, that because I get those residual, residuals. <laughs> yeah, God bless. Nice. God bless the WGA. And why did you leave? Oh, the show ended. The show ended. That a show was only seven seasons. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. So that makes sense. You stayed till the end. Smart, I stayed smart till the move, end. You know, I was okay. scared to death. The first year, or you know, that first uh, season four when I was there, and I'd just been hired at the end of the season. I was really sure that I was not coming back. You know that. Excuse me. <laughs> that I was going to get fired because um, I didn't know anything, uh, and I'm like, why would they pay me to do this? Like, this? <laughs> <laughs> um, and through, uh, uh, yeah, and uh, I kept thinking. It took me quite a while before I had a writing job where I thought, oh, okay, I think. Even if this one ends, I will get another one. <laughs> uh, okay, so you've gotten to that point. I, you know, I just, I'm, still, I'm still hoping to reach I, that point. I was briefly at that point. I'm, I've, I'm not there anymore because I've just had a really, <laughs> really rough year. But yes, uh, Malcolm ends. Here's what I. Here's what happened. Uh, Malcolm ends, uh, and I f- foolishly think that I'm a. I'm a now I'm a I'm a uh, mid-level writer on a ver- on a well-respected comedy. I should be able to go anywhere. Uh, and I so I emailed my agent and I said I really like this show How I Met Your Mother. Uh, I think I would be a good fit there. And he said, Let me see. He he, he knew those guys. He, I got a meeting. They didn't hire me. And I th- that was like what? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> uh, so yeah, at post Malcolm, what I found was a what I what I ended up having was something that most of us have, which is. Or I mean, I was lucky that I found work, uh, but it was work on the on shows that came and went that were forgettable. That you know they got you know the, uh, twelve episode or or six episode shows, uh, right. and really that could have been my that could have that could have defined me. And, uh, and except I lucked out and got a job on Community, which was another hugely well respected show that kind of changed how I looked uh, to people. Right, it's one of those. Yeah. <laughs> It's a very cool credit. It was a like, cool credit. <laughs> for, it was yeah, a cool I mean, I don't know how credit. else to say it. Yep. It's just a cool credit. You're like, ooh, yep. you know, community. Right, um, right, right. You know, which is not the, you know, yeah, Sons of Tucson maybe right. doesn't have the same cachet. Sons of Tucson yeah. was a great show, <laughs> great, fun cast. Uh, yeah. We did good work. And by the way, the numbers we got on Fox would have been a hit today. Oh, of course, um, yes, of But course. yeah. No one yeah, no, but no it's one not a community. When did you get on community? What's Were you there from... Uh, starting in their second season. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. It's and funny. That's... I was working at Sons of Tucson with a woman, uh, Robin Shore, who I love. Wait, 
Was she? Yes, yes, she was at Sun. And she kept talking about a friend of hers who was working on Community who was who was really not happy. And she said, you guys, I think my friend is going to quit. And I was thinking, who quits a writing job? Like, <laughs> <laughs> how bad can it be? Like, I remember thinking, like, D- tell your friend not to quit. And then uh, her friend ended up uh, quitting, taking care of herself, which, great. God bless her. Uh, and then... Uh, I probably took that job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you were there for how many seasons? I was there for four straight years. Uh, I did two, three, four, and five. Okay. So I was there for the year Dan Harmon was gone, and then I came, and I was there again for the year he came back. And, uh, yeah, so for people that don't know, you know, Dan Harmon, probably a lot of people know, who mm-hmm. listen to this do know who Dan Harmon is, but created the show. And, yeah, um, it, it, you know, so so there's a lot of stories about that show, about it being kind of a, a, yeah. a wild place to work. I mean, what was it like for you? It was, <laughs> I was, I was just telling someone uh, today because uh, there's a chance I may be going to, uh, I may be going to work for Dan Harmon again. <laughs> um, uh, what it was like was it was, uh, you know, uh, the hours were insane. That's often all nighters. Um, it was like being in college, you know, and Dan was very nice about it. he, it was not, I think a lot of people think he was abusive and he, I didn't feel that way. Uh, he, uh, I think it's, it, I'm not talking out of school if I say that he likes to drink uh he he's pretty um public with it uh and so it was uh, we sort of lived like like college kids and he said and do you have kids at this at this point when you're on that show i have a small child who is 5 years old when i start that job wow and you're there and, all uh, night <laughs> and i remember thinking oh my god i remember the the dan was really nice he said like the first time it happened he said i'm look i'm going to stay all night uh, uh no one has to he would always say, "No one has to," and then, of course, we all would, because uh, right. you feel like, "What am I going to be the one who?" Yeah. Neil Goldman, who was like the number two, Neil and and Garrett Donovan, who were the number twos there, they were very good about kind of platooning people. Sometimes, every once in a while, Neil would look across the room at me and say, "Go home," <laughs> like he would just see in my, he'd do the death in my eyes. But yeah, the first time Dan said, the first time I stayed all night, I drove home at at five in the morning because I didn't want my son to think that that could happen. I didn't want my son to think that dad could go away to work one day and not be there the next morning. So I drove home. Uh, and then I, I ditched that because it's dangerous to drive home uh, after pulling an all nighter. So, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. but yeah, it was tough. It was tough. Um, it was tough on my wife. Uh, uh, obviously, you know, this is one of those classic situations where uh, it's, uh, um, it falls on the, it typically falls onto the woman, the woman, to the mom. Yeah. And I'm guilty of it. Uh, uh, but yeah. So yeah. The yeah first... that, yes. In a way, I mean, it's just that there's the powerlessness. Yeah. You know, it's not up to you what time you, you right. go home. Right. And it's also a tricky thing. Whatever everyone was saying, these are <laughs> these are rich people problems in a way. You're working on a TV show, but it's like you can never say when you're coming home. Right, like you just right, never right. know, and you might. And then there's often like an estimate, but that's wildly off, and then that's frustrating. And it's well, just like it you got just to don't a shorthand. Working for someone else, you just don't know. Right, and it got for us. It got to a shorthand where I would text her uh, ordering dinner, 
uh, <laughs> uh, I would text her if we were ordering dinner, and then I would text her if uh, it was going to be even later than 11 p.m. Uh, right. And then it got to a shorthand where it would just be OD stood for ordering dinner, which I thought was a really good shorthand for <laughs> I would just say OD, and then she would say, um, uh, fuck this. <laughs> yeah she was probably not a dan Harmon fan no um, no and every year and and every uh season on hiatus um you know towards the end of every season i would have this talk with my wife and i would say I, yeah i think this is probably it i don't think i can go back next year it's just i love the show it's just too exhausting and she'd be like you think <laughs> and then every hiatus, you know, a month would go by, like the pain of childbirth dissipating. And I would say, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm looking, I'm going on meetings to work on other shows. I'm seeing what's out there. And there's just nothing that makes me as happy as that show. Uh, so that's really, that was the reality of community. I, it was it was very hard. It, it was very physically taxing. And I have never felt more creatively fulfilled than when I worked there. All right. Um, so and I'm through and so grateful that I did work there. I learned a, and I learned everything about structure from him. It's like, you know, the guy's a genius. He's just hard yeah. to hard to be around. <laughs> and and do you use I've talked to um other writers uh, the story circle the story circles. And do you use that? So story circles is sort of Dan Harmon's <laughs> version of Joseph Campbell, I guess. Um, you know, it's a sort of way of thinking and structuring story. Mm-hmm. Do you have is that something you use in your writing? Since then? Yeah, it, it's sadly it infected my brain. Uh, it's dangerous when you tell someone there's a like there's a hack for writing a story <laughs> for structuring a story because it really there really isn't. Um, and the story circle is, you know, the, the, the hero's journey or any method you want to use. It's just it's sort of it's just a way of, of codifying what you know instinctively or what feels what ends up feeling right. Um, but I definitely use I mean, the thing the the points on that story circle that I always gravitate to are um, uh, a. I've actually boiled down for my students. I boiled the story circle down to two to uh, three beats one is um, fuck it we're doing this that's the end of act one <laughs> uh, fuck it we're doing it. if you look at community episodes most of them involve Jeff Winger or someone saying fuck it we're doing this and the fuck it implies that there was a refusal of the call just moments before <laughs> <laughs> right so fuck it fuck it we're doing this is the end of act one the end of act two is oh shit everyone hates me and then uh, <laughs> and then act three is uh, how do I get out of this uh, how do I redeem myself and get out of this um, that, that's kind yeah. of that that's ba- that's the basic elements of the story circle that I've kept and sorry you just said your students oh I taught a class at UCLA uh, I've done it twice now I've t- I taught a, uh, a pilot writing class oh, nice. a seminar so I'm not a teacher uh, th- I learned that for sure in the first time I did it I got a little better <laughs> the second time I did it but yeah uh. I but yes, I, I have a I have a handout where I go. Here's all you need to know about the story circle. Fuck it, fuck it. I'm fuck it. Let's do this. Uh, uh, oh shit, everyone hates me. Uh, <laughs> bonus points for oh shit, everyone hates me, and I'm stuck in a dumpster with them. <laughs> uh, and then Act Three is like apologies and hugs. <laughs> How do I redeem myself? I like this. Yeah. this is. I'm writing this down. Write it down. It, it's it's, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, there's a lot of these things that for you know, David Mamet's got his um, uh-huh. 
you know, who who wants what from whom, sure. what happens if they don't get it, and why now? Yeah. And sometimes with sitcoms, it's not like something like this is is actually more applicable to it, like a you know a half hour comedy. Yeah. Like what the beats are going to be. You're not right. writing some heist movie. You're not writing. You know, <laughs> right. So it's like certain kinds of beats don't apply. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah. Just yeah. And, fuck it. We're doing this. Yeah. That's a, that's a fine end of Act One, and no one yeah, calls you on it. If, if every episode of your whole series ends the same Act One the same way, no one will call you on it. They'll be like, right. "Yeah, it's a delightful show." Yeah, that's why I, I like that beat, and I liked it the last episode of the show that I liked, yeah. and I'm going to like it now. So then, after that, that's when you get. So you so you've been in touch with Will Forte, I assume, since the Groundlings. You guys have stayed in touch. Is that you know the Last Man on Earth gig comes about through your relationship with him, or did it not? Or is that just we kind of had we had not been in touch. Uh, we 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 uh, didn't have a falling out or anything. We, we you know we just we sort of like each other, but we weren't really friends. Uh, and he had gone on to, so, I mean, I had, um, I, I would run into him every once in a while, but no, a, as community was ending, I went to my agent and said, what, um, what I say to him periodically, am, uh, am I done? <laughs> like, <laughs> will, will anyone hire me ever again? Have I aged out yet? Is this over? Like, has, is the ride over? And so I was having that conversation with him and he said, well, your buddy, Will Forte just sold a show. Um, you should uh, you should reach out to him. You know, I'll tell him you're available. But you should reach out to him. And I said, I don't. I haven't talked to him in a long time, and I think I have a bad email address for him because it says Earthlink. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then our agent said, Nope, that's still the one. <laughs> so I I emailed Will. I said, Hey, Matt just told me you sold the show, uh, um, and he leaked me the script of it, and it's amazing, and I love it, and I would I want to be a part of it any way I can possibly whatever and Will said let's let's uh, have breakfast so I uh, we met and he sat down it was the easiest thing in the world um, we sat down and he said well uh, job's yours if you want it like we did there was no interview or anything it was just <laughs> like we just caught up with each other and he knew once again I think had community not happened Will Forte would not have said that to me uh, mm-hmm. I think community proved a certain credibility, um, and he knew me from before, and he knew I was funny. And but yeah, yeah, uh, it's easiest goddamn oh, man. Wow. Uh, and yeah, and the that other is huge piece of advice: don't make enemies. Right. Turn. <laughs> it, it, send chocolate to people. Yeah. <laughs> Turn everyone into a friend. No, that is definitely good advice, and doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter you know. who they are, especially your assistant or the PA yeah, on the show the where you work. Those right, people, that person is going to sell a show. Yeah, or that person, you know, or the assistant at the network is going to be the head of comedy. Yes, and you yes. better not have been a dick to that person. Oh my God, yes. Um, but that's another one. The la- last man on earth is another one of the all time great pilots. Um, so just... lucky. So, yeah. A really great pilot. And that was all will. I mean, I, I got to, you know, I feel like my, my brand is being good enough to be around really good people. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, uh, but yeah, will, will's just, no one thinks like him. He's, he was just, he, he's, he's gifted. And, and yeah, and just such incredible twists on that show that, mm-hmm. that kept coming. Yeah. You know, just yeah. this brilliant twist. I'm back. Hey, we, uh, so we actually recorded a table read for a future episode just this morning. 
And it really reminded me of everything I love about making this show. We had such a great group of actors. Some actors you would all you would all know. Some just getting started. Some people I didn't know. All such cool, talented people there to help bring to life something that had been left for dead. And the writers for the pilot, not super seasoned veterans with a huge list of credits, but incredibly talented people who wrote a really smart, fresh, high-quality pilot that didn't get shot. And the thrill that they felt at getting to hear it read aloud by this talented cast, I mean, I could see it on their faces and hear it in the way they talked afterwards. It's just pure joy. And it's a big part of why we do this show. And no one else does what we do. I mean, there's one trillion podcasts out there competing for your attention. Only Dead Pilot Society does this. So we go away and these pilots are just dead forever. And, you know, if you're here listening, you get why we do it. So please go to MaximumFun.org slash join right now. Like I said, we're behind on our goal. Um, but you can help us get there for $5 a month. You get all of our bonus content. You know, I, uh, I just saw someone on Twitter say that it's definitely worth $5 a month just to hear Steve Agee's weekend Dracula whenever you want. Don't know what I'm talking about. Join, check it out. Hey, um, do you like Ted Lasso? We have a pilot by Bill Lawrence, uh, one of the creators of Ted Lasso. That's only available as bonus content to our members. For $10 a month, you get a debt. Also, you know, you get the video of all of our Zoom raids, which is really cool. I mean, Greatest American Heroes last week with Will Forte and Sam Richardson and Stephen Root. I mean, you want to see those people's faces. So that's $5 a month to get the bonus content. For $10 a month, I love this Dead Pilot Society patch that you get at $10 a month. Um, it's just really cool. White patch. It's got this vintage RCA t- test pattern on it. Um, I'm going to put it on something. You're going to want to put it on something it, it's genuinely cool uh also really cool when you join or upgrade to the 20 dollar a month level you can choose between our max fun creativity pack or a rocket hat so artist and max funster ellen vandermide illustrated a beautiful deck of 54 cards in this max fun inspiration deck so each card has an activity suggestion from your favorite hosts or your pals at max fun designed to inspire you to enjoy friends, nature, food, you time, art. It's gonna be great for the next lockdown. You're gonna need this. Uh, kit also comes with a set of three postcards, a piece of non-hardening modeling clay, and a custom Blackwing pencil to encourage you to make your thing. Uh, there's a suggestion for me in there. I think it's a good one. I'm not gonna tell you what it is, but you can find out if you pledge $20 a month and get that inspiration deck. If you're not into that creativity pack, you can opt for the Max Fun Drive Rocket logo hat. It's an embroidered, eco-friendly cap with an adjustable back. Uh, it's a good-looking hat. You'll also receive, at that level, your choice of patch, a letterpress membership card, all that bonus content. There's gifts at higher levels, too. There's a really cool messenger bag at $35 a month. But joining or upgrading at any level will go towards our goal of 550 new or upgrading members. So please... Please, while you're thinking of it, which is right now, while you're listening to me, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Do it now. Now back to me, Andrew, talking to Andy. So 
Okay, so now we're getting closer to finally to yes. talking about the pilot we read because you, did you meet oh, okay, Phil yes. Lord and Chris Miller um, so on I'm, Last Man on Earth? Yes, because they they were executive producers. Yeah, of that and yeah, yeah. Directed the pilot. And, yeah, and once yeah. again, proving that this is a relationship business. You know, it's like I, so they had a pretty good. You know, they basically Will vouched for me. You know, they they liked Will, and Will said I like Andy, and that's how I got that job. Um, the greatest, the the greatest American hero. No, job. I'm sorry. The, oh, the, oh uh, sorry. No, that's the, how you got the last, the last man, on, man Earth. on Earth job. Yes. Well, okay. I'm sorry. So they, we'll, they we'll signed off. Will yeah. right. Will yeah. You know. Yeah. And so I'm working there, and I'm and I got a field promotion. You know, I was working there as a co-executive producer, um, and then uh, uh, I got promoted to. I got a title bump uh, because I was kind of I I was the number two person. Will really really wrote and really Will um, that show is his, uh, but I was sort of keeping the train running. Uh, that was my job there and making sure that he had what he needed. Uh, and so while I was there, uh, their executive Seth Cohen came to me and said, "Do you have any interest in writing the Greatest American Hero?" Twentieth. Uh, got the rights to it and they're seeing if they want to reboot it and they're talking to Phil and Chris about it and so they're in early discussions uh, looking for a writer and I had I knew of the show I knew what it was but I had never I hadn't watched it when it was on um, and then so I took a look at the pilot and I had this I had two thoughts very uh, immediately one was this is dumb this is a cheesy show <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and two well that's fantastic. That's such an opportunity, you know, because 21 Jump Street was dumb and cheesy and Phil and Chris made magic with it. And so if anyone could do it, they can and and um, or they could guide me. And I just thought, it, I mean, the wheels just started turning instantly because I thought, well, if I were to try to overcome this dumb thing, you know, how would I do? How would I preserve the mythology? How would I upgrade it? And it came pretty quickly. And so the next day I went to him. And honestly, the whole solution in my head was. Uh, alias um my, my my big my big invention was the the <laughs> reboot of greatest american hero should be like alias that was kind of my that was what i thought i still believe that i believe it should be an hour uh they've tried to reboot it a couple times as a half hour and i every time they do it i'm like you guys are you're not gonna like it <laughs> it should be an hour it needs to be an hour it's an action yeah. show the action has to be good um, but anyway, so yeah, then I went right back to Seth and I said, yeah, I, I would like to try to do this. And he said, I'm so sorry I misspoke or I spoke too soon or I didn't have the right information, but they have already got a writer. And I've, when we did the table read, by the way, I, I misspoke. I said, um, they hired, uh, uh, Carrie Fukunaga, but that was racist of me because it was <laughs> another Asian sounding last name. Uh, Rick Rick Famuyiwa. Okay. <laughs> uh, apologies to everyone for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the, they had... the the, the writer producer of the old Negro Space Program can't be making mis- <laughs> cannot be making mistakes like this. <laughs> Holy moly! Um, so yeah, he said they've. It's too late. They've hired this writer director, uh, Rick Famuyiwa, who's great, and, and at the time he had just done this movie, Dope. That was a, oh, a, yeah, yeah. a indie darling, right. and uh, was really great and stylish and fantastic. And and I was like, oh yeah, that's who they should. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. <laughs> they should do that. <laughs> um, and then, like I said, um, 
that project didn't go anywhere. I'm not sure how far it got. I never heard another thing about it. Uh, so I don't know if there was a script. I I don't think there was a pilot. We would have read about it if there was something shot. Yeah. I think um, only the Hannah Simone one yeah, was shot. Yeah. And there yeah. was a nut, and there was a there was another one in between those two. They tried it with Rick Famuyiwa, it didn't go anywhere. Um uh they tried it I believe with someone else. I'm not sure how far that got, but also didn't go anywhere. And then um I had in the meantime I had couldn't get it out of my head and I thought I also I thought I need a new sample. Um <laughs> um and um, so I just I wrote it. It took me a while. I got mad at myself, like I do. Right. Uh, it's, you know, it took me way longer than I thought. It took me, I think, two hiatuses. Like, you know, you you go because on you break. had to write because you had to write all the stage directions. Yes, exactly, all the <laughs> stage directions. You're not used to us comedy writers aren't used to writing so many stage directions. You want? <laughs> you're not kidding. I had the hardest time with the freaking stage direction writing action. Who? I, yeah. Um. Um. I ended up reading a lot of J.J. Abrams scripts to figure out how he writes action. Mm-hmm. He's very good at it. Yeah, uh, there, he, are, there, are, well, there are people who are really yeah. who are really good at it. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote this thing on spec uh, because what I thought was they are going to um, they are they wanted to reboot it with a, a non-white lead character, which they definitely should do. Um, and it's and because of that, uh, it's going to be hard for them to say to hire a white guy to write it, um, it which it should be. And so I thought, well, if it, I've, I I have an idea, and I want it, I want people to see it, and I'm not, and I don't even know if people are going to want me to pitch it to them, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, so I just thought, well, I'll just write it. I'll just write it and then see. Also because I I was pretty sure everyone wanted it as a half hour and I was the only smart person who wanted it as an hour. <laughs> well, I think there's a thing where they're used to, you know, the comedic half the comedic one hour. Yeah. was, you know, the A team and all these yeah. shows, you know, it, it used to really be a thing. Yeah. Um and yeah. it's so completely gone away. It's extremely hard to sell. I mean, right. every now and then they'll They'll make one. My friend Lindsay Shockley shot one, um, a f- you know, a few years back. That was, you know, not too, not totally dissimilar to this. It was kind of in a, the vein of Spy or the Spy uh-huh, Company. Uh-huh. Or so, you know, it's an action comedy, yeah. and it was really funny. And I think they just, um, you know, they they're reluctant to put these comedic one hours yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, yeah, probably naive of me too, and because uh, yeah, uh, that, that's a that's an hour of, you know, when you think about it, the network primetime schedule, that's a fixed number of hours. Like there's only yeah. <laughs> there's only four three hours a night. It's like you, you and Andy Barber is going to eat up a whole hour of it. No, <laughs> what has he done? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I wrote it on spec, and then and then I showed it to my I told my agent I've done this, and he said, oh. Okay, cool. Let me let's figure out what to do with it. He kind of leaks it to Michael Thorne at Fox, um, and Michael says, uh, "This is really good." Sadly, the timing is is off yet again because we've just engaged. Uh, I don't know who the writer was, but they they just had closed the deal for that project that ended up being Hannah Simone uh, doing it in a half hour, um, which. It was a smart move. I mean, they did. They, they really should have done that, and they did it. And I uh, and I heard it turned out good. I don't. And I don't know why. Well, I, I saw it. It, it was good. You know, it's very different from from yours. Uh-huh. Um, but it was it was very likable because you know she's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And I, I think it had a little bit of a, a similar, you know, kind of a uh, fuck up character yeah. who, who yeah. gets ends up in the suit, who's just like the last person who you would think, you know, so it can be a redemption story mm-hmm. of someone who's mm-hmm. kind of screwed up, but but has a chance. And, you know, it, um, I think in her case it was more just, you know, like a party girl. Mm-hmm. Like it was, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, it, it, it may just be, I mean, the problem may be people are not totally clamoring for a, a reboot of. <laughs> That's a funny thing that happens. Yes. I talked to my friend Emily Spivey about this a lot. Things that I'm nostalgic for. Um, the, you know the reference. Who who remembers Greatest American Hero? People who are over forty now, right? I mean, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not the desired audience. The, but I, but I guess aren't those the people watching network television? So I suppose right? so. I suppose so. I mean, that's yeah. what I mean. To me, it, 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 if it made sense, because okay, network TV realizes their audience is older. You know, yeah, young, yeah. super young people are not watching network TV. And right. So if their audience, if they're looking at their audience and thinking like. Oh, these are the people who, you know, whatever, the Wonder Years. These yeah. are people who remember the Wonder Years. So let's just do the, you know, redo the Wonder Years. It just seems like, well, those people also probably watch Greatest American Hero. Yes. Um, you know, or Knight Rider or whatever, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, so, but, but that, so. It could also be only... that it was just that ABC looked at, it's, it also might just be one of those things where, this, what were we thinking? This isn't our brand. Like, uh, it's. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, it's, it's, on paper, it seems like, yeah, ABC should be able to run that show, but maybe it just didn't look right on their schedule uh, in between family half hours. Like, maybe it just didn't fit there. I don't know. Exactly. I mean, you, you know, we've, I've talked about this with so many people on the show where it comes down to, okay, you know, we're looking at a schedule and, and your show that you've you've slaved over every, you know, f- joke and, yeah. you know, uh, comes down to comedic one hour uh, i don't think we're looking for comedic one hour right so it doesn't matter like, you know how good <laughs> right, it is right, it doesn't right. matter like it no we well, we feel it's like we widget. need we need a legal show yeah so we need legal show here and your show is comedic one yep. hour yep. so sorry and that's you know it comes down to to that so yeah. all this scrutiny and endless uh, you know second guessing of of this line and this beat you know when it, when it comes down to decision makers nope we wanted medical show, yeah, um, yeah, and you weren't medical show. Oh, but, God, but was so it fun? I mean, you know, it's the only one hour we've done on Dead Pilot Society. We, you know, we we bent a couple rules for you, Andy. Thank you, you know, I really because I guess it. it was like you know we've never done a one hour, and we've never you know it's usually shows that were officially sold and developed at networks which in this case is <laughs> you were really desperate not. for material weren't you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we were thinking, but um, but was it you know? It's very different from from other things. I mean, in a way, you know, you had to write this sort of action movie kind of thing. And, and was that fun? Was it to leave you? Is that something you want to do more of? Was or was it like, it, oh Jesus, I don't want to write those stage directions again? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, uh, I'll tell you. I mean, I'll tell you what what goes through my head also as a as a, a hustler and a person who's trying to, to uh, find work in this new universe um, is that a lot of you know, uh, the all the marble, marble, all the marble movies. Um, <laughs> a, a lot of the, what's happening in features is they're all comedic, uh, yeah. uh, and so I keep thinking, oh, that should be a muscle that I exercise. Like I should be able. Uh, I mean, it's something that I actually hope to prove to, <laughs> that this podcast will help uh, <laughs> help me with is to say is to put myself into a consideration set where someone goes, oh, uh, this person who came from comedy uh could get the action good enough uh 
But who knows? Maybe I didn't. I probably didn't. Um. <laughs> well, or you know, yeah, because yeah, you're right. Because you know, the Avengers movies are 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 workplace comedies. Yeah, know, for for a yeah. lot of their running time, are just this workplace comedy, and they're they're. I don't know how those movies are written, but I'm sure they're bringing in a lot of people to punch up that yeah that stuff, and yeah. they're bringing in yeah. comedy people to just do the banter. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, among them, and <laughs> and you're right. It's it's a good. It's always good to show. Well, okay, you know, I can also do this. Here, here's a here's a sample for this kind of thing. You know, um, right, 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 right. Just and, and I guess on Community, you did so many different kinds of episodes. That yes, I mean that's the thing. There are people. Well, look at uh, uh, Chris McKenna, who is really, really gifted, um, but um, was able to uh, get very, very high up in the uh, in, in the uh, action movie writing oh, God, universe. Yeah. He just wrote, he wrote the last Spider-Man movie. That's yeah. the only movie that's done well. Yeah, to the yeah, last yeah. Because he knows what yeah. he's doing. Uh, yeah. And, the, well, the whole team does. Uh, uh, um, but, yes, uh, and we did, because we did genre stuff, there were directors who, who did community episodes. Well, uh, I'm, I think... Um, I don't know if this is apocryphal, but I, I thought I heard that the Russo brothers were only considered for the those movies because of the um, uh, parodies that they or the, you know, the genre stuff that they had done on Community. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I'm just spreading rumors uh, now at this point. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But it's true. I mean, those are comedy. You know, those are just sitcom yeah. directors. <laughs> I mean, not sitcom, <laughs> but half hour comedy directors who are now like the biggest action movie directors on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was it like hearing? I mean, this incredible cast, which you really were very instrumental. Oh, my God. In yeah. Putting together. Uh, I just sort of sat back and just heard like, <laughs> oh, we got Stephen Roots. Like, this is amazing. Um, but I mean, how was it for you to hear those people You know, read this? Uh, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't great. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I don't know how, I, I hope it came out good. Uh, uh, cause on zoom, it's always hard. Um, and there were, mo- there were times when I thought, oh, this is bombing or this is slow. Uh, so I don't know. May, hope, hope, maybe you got, maybe it works well, because you're a I writer thought. and of course yeah. you don't feel that way. <laughs> um, but there are definitely there, uh, one thing, uh, um, that was really uh, very, very informative and will make my next action script much better is that I, I, I did feel where it was lagging. And I, like I knew instantly where I overdid the action. Um, and so lesson learned there. Um, but uh, it, um, but in general, it was amazing hearing Sam Richardson do that stuff. I mean, yeah. he can make anything funny. And as soon as I, you know, as soon as we got, you got him or... or um, uh, ben did. I yeah, think. yeah, I think Ben Blacker got Sam. Uh, yeah. That was like, I just was like, well, I mean, you know, my dream would be Sam Richardson, but we can't get Sam Richardson. And Ben was oh, like, no, Sam's a, Sam's a friend of Dead Pilot Society. He's done, oh. it, he's done it a number of times. Oh, my just God. Always, what a gift. Always is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was amazing hearing him do that. Uh, getting Will Forte, I felt bad asking Will because I've worked with him now and I know that he says yes to things. Uh, and I knew it was like you, you have no idea like how I looked at that text for how many minutes I looked at that text before hitting send because I I knew what I was doing was I was asking was that he wouldn't be able to say no and that uh, I think he had me and he's another he's done Dead Pilot Society before okay um, good all right so, good. Uh, you know uh, Chris McKenna's uh, wife uh, I think it was it was her show Sally oh, Bradford cool. McKenna's. Uh, show that, that oh excellent um and it's a fun part you know i mean well, that trend part is I, and i made some adjustments for him you know once once he got it 
once he said yes, uh, I did. I was like, okay, well, now I want to give him something he'll have more fun doing. So I, yeah, I, I sort of did a little tweaking. I hope that's okay. Here's a here's a comedy nerd uh, question for you. So there's there's the bit in the pilot um, where he's got the earwig and is getting the answers to the the sort of code, yes. which is very much like a bit in the Mary Tyler Moore pilot is it really um, yes where it's just like there, there's it's mary and lou grant and there's like a question it's a bit where there's like a, a, a sort of a question behind um oh my it's, god it's not like it's not like you stole it it's just sort no, of, no. it reminded me because it's one of the all-time great oh bits. i gotta go watch it, that, that um, i i will confess that i stole it uh i, I completely <laughs> stole it uh, uh because it i'm pretty sure it was done earlier than that because what i stole it from was an old uh, british sketch show called the two ronnies hmm. um and i filed that thing away like i know it's a it's dicey like i know like there was part of me that said oh this is probably too much stealing and there was another part <laughs> of me that said or is it homage i'm not sure <laughs> like it's homage there's it's, a sketch yeah. yeah look up the two ronnies and it, it's a uh, their sketch was uh, basically um, it's a game show where the premise of the game show is you have to ask the question you have to answer the question that was previously asked so you, so anyway and then they just that's a punchline machine you know once you've set up that yeah. game it's a punchline right. machine and yes. I just thought oh this is math I mean this is exactly this is I love doing this I want to I want to use this somewhere I wonder if I could disguise it enough that people would think it was mine but no of course I can't that's that is such a yeah, maybe people. Are, I, I was, yeah, it's such a perfect bit that has probably been used even more times than the ones we're thinking of. Oh but my it, god! It, it, well, it thank you for bit. telling me about the Mary Tyler Moore thing. Oh yeah, go god. back and look at that. I gotta I mean, see it's, it. it's worth every now and then just looking at the Mary Tyler Moore pilot anyway, because it's, yeah. it's just so perfect. <laughs> and, um, so tell me what you're up to now. Um, t- I t- uh, was. Um, working on this uh, animated show, Bless the Hearts, uh, that was 2019, 2020. That got canceled. And uh, this is, uh, honestly, I think, hopefully it's good for me to discuss this, but it's a little painful. Uh, But I've had the worst year of my life uh, uh, work-wise. I've had a fine year life-wise. I'm I'm okay. No one cry for me. Uh, (laughs) But um, I haven't, uh, I haven't worked all year. Uh, I think my last paycheck was it was November of 2020. Uh, so it's been a uh, uh, it's been a really interesting time, you know. And I can blame COVID. COVID. Uh, what is this disease called? <laughs> I can blame COVID for a lot of it. Um, uh, but I do have those feelings like, oh, I may, also maybe I'm aging out. Like I don't know. Maybe this is happening now. I, uh, I think it is good for you to discuss this because this is a reality <laughs> yeah. of this job. It just it it happens, and no one talks yeah. about it. And there's like the and you know I can hear it as you're talking. There's like, there's like shame involved with it. Yeah. It's just the way it goes. It's the uh, way it goes, and I I didn't realize. Well, I did realize, but I've been so blessed that I I can't believe that uh, humble brag that I worked 18 seasons of television in a row without having a year off. Yeah. And so I guess that's the good. That's the blessing. Uh, but yeah, I finally had my year off, and now I'm going crazy. <laughs> but you're doing. <laughs> no, I'm like, wait, this isn't supposed to happen to me. I worked on Community. <laughs> I have a. What did you call? It? I have a good credit. I, I have a cool credit. I have a cool credit. That... <laughs> this doesn't happen to cool credit guys. 
Uh, critics darling. Um, but you said you were doing a podcast. I'm doing a podcast. Yes, yes, and I want to plug it. Uh, uh, I made a podcast. My my uh, uh, quarantine lockdown uh, hobby was... Um, a learning how to make my own chocolate from beans, uh, which I'm very good at, and I, I I really am toying with turning it into a business. My, my plan is, of course, to get it to influencers like you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm getting some of this chocolate. And my then address my, in the chat here. My other <laughs> lockdown hobby was this podcast, and it started with I have a good friend uh, Andy Stanton, who is um, a British guy who writes children's books. He wrote a a book series that's incredibly po- uh, that was very very popular in England called Mr. Gum, and we were paired up by Tracy Katsky, who appeared earlier in this discussion. <laughs> uh, when she was a development executive at Nickelodeon, they had optioned his children's books, and they they were shopping for a writer. We met I met him over the phone. We had instant chemistry. We've been the, our pilot didn't go anywhere, but we've stayed friends, and. Um, we are doing a podcast that I, uh, we were just goofing off uh, one day, which is how all the best things happen, and we started talking about this um, this British TV show that may or may not be real. I'm not, I, <laughs> um, uh, and it turned out it was, so we just were basically riffing as if we were huge fans of this of this show, and we decided we so we've done a podcast now. Um, a fan, uh, like a fan podcast, a of fan a podcast fictional show of a fictional show. <laughs> it's called the Tumblers Willie Podcast. Uh, it is. Uh, um, it'll be out by the time this airs. Uh, we're, it's. It, uh, we're dropping it on March fifteenth. Okay. You can find it so, on all uh, all the, podcast um, channels. Uh, Starburns Industry. Starburns Audio is our network, and uh, yeah, we do a deep, deep dive into the long storied history of a show called Tumblr's Willie, which is the longest-running TV show in world history. Everyone, first of all, everyone in the UK knows this show. <laughs> they were raised on it. Um, ask anyone. Ask anyone in England, in, in all of the aisles, about Tumblr's Willie. They all know it. Uh, it started in radio. It started in 1902. <laughs> um, the first episode of Tumblr's Willie was uh, a full hour of silence. Uh, because they forgot to hire an engineer. And as you can imagine, England went crazy for it. It was an instant hit. Um, and I love so this. There are, yeah, <laughs> there are lots and lots of ups and downs. We go decade by decade through the long history of Tumblr's Willie. Uh, it's still going. It's still going strong. And uh, yeah, so tune in. Look for the Tumblr's Willie podcast. <laughs> That's my plug. So that's great. I mean, so like the, I, I think you just have to adjust your thinking. It doesn't. It's not a paycheck, but it's not like you're not creating well, and you know doing something me, new. It, and yes, Andy and I and other writers and I have these discussions all the time, and now I'm having it with you. And uh, <laughs> um, it goes back to the thing that I was saying about the the old Negro space program. It's like, well, what do I do? What do I really want? I want to. Be, I want to be creative and touch people and get laughs. Uh, yeah. And so sometimes that pays an insane amount of money, and that those are really lucky years. And sometimes it doesn't pay anything. But yeah, I got you know, you don't get the money unless you do that. 
<laughs> there's a zero percent chance you'll get paid if you aren't making something funny so you might as well just make funny things right yeah and you never know what can come from it and it keeps you fresh you know it's I yeah. just did an interview with another writer who's just it's like you know i just try to every you know couple of years do something where i have no idea what i'm doing and <laughs> uh-huh. it's just like yeah it's a great it's a great thing to stay creative you know so you I mean, we all kind of worry: Are we getting? Are we aging out? Are we getting too old? But, but, but you yeah. never will if you keep doing. <laughs> right. You know, um, right, 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 right. It, it's it's just not a like I do it too, so I, I completely oh, understand. God. I'm talking to myself as much as you, but it's, <laughs> what it's are you not up a useful to? Wait, thing. You've, what, where are you? What are you up to? What have you? How's your year been? Um, it's been. You know, the COVID was 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 also you know certainly not my highest earning no. years either, Andy. <laughs> um, well, I don't usually talk about uh, what I'm doing. I, I'm writing a, a pilot with with my best friend uh, for ABC, which is fun because we haven't worked together since high school. Um, oh, that's great. And uh, you know, um, so so that's you know it, it's been really fun working with him it's always writing a network pilot so it's got its ups and downs but, right uh, right doing that and then you know i i directed this music documentary which is getting close to being done which oh, is cool. you know just like what i was talking about you know something i had no idea i didn't know what the hell i was doing and mm-hmm. it's just pure labor of love and it's taken me a very long time because i had to sort of invent the wheel um yeah because i you know didn't know how to do it but uh it's been fantastic i mean it's just been you know rewarding in a way that you know that Mm-hmm. writing another pilot might might not have been yeah um, because yeah. it's just flexing different muscles and um it's it's just been this this really great thing but again it's it's uh pays negative dollars uh, it pays <laughs> negative dollars yeah it, yeah yeah uh, money gets removed yes money gets removed but you know it, and for everyone i think anyone who's acting like they've just been killing it during this last couple <laughs> years of covid is lying and just lying in a really nefarious way yeah. it's just, we all feel bad about ourselves yeah. already yeah so don't do we don't need people um anyway well look andy this was this was great it's been great uh getting to to meet you and talk and, yeah you, know, you too and hear like a person who actually made the leap from, from advertising to television writing it's such a you know, thing you hear about, but you know, there people actually yep. exist. Yep, I um, really did it, and it's a really fun pilot. And I'm glad people are getting to getting to hear it. With this yeah, I'm cast. really glad people are getting to hear it. Absolutely. All right, so I'm gonna we're gonna sign off, and I'm gonna get you uh, my address so I can get some of your chocolate. Nice. All right, and I can't wait to hear the podcast. So thank you, Andy. <laughs> thank you. Okay, that was my conversation with Andy Bobro. And I'm here to ask one more time that you become a Maximum Fund member. This is the last time I'll ask for this whole year. Uh, when I think about who I do this show for, you know, there's a lot of answers that come to mind. You know, it's for the comedy fans who want to laugh at comedies that they can't see or hear elsewhere. Uh, it's for TV fans who are exhausted by this peak TV and all this prestige TV and committing to these multi-season shows and wants something that's just one episode. You know, it's for people interested in how the television business really works. Uh, it's for would-be writers who want to know how to actually get to be a television writer. And it's for people, maybe writers, maybe not, who have been made to feel less than. And I, you know, this is a group I think about a lot. People who've been made to feel less than because they haven't achieved the success that they think they should have. And these people could be just starting out 
or they could have a list of credits a mile long on IMDb. These feelings uh, are not specific to people just starting. I can tell you that for sure. Um, and those people can hear from writers like Adam McKay or Genji Cohen or John Hodgman about their pilots that were rejected and know that this is part of having a career as an artist. So we're here partly to take away the stigma. It's not embarrassing to have a, Ted, uh, to have a dead pilot. It's, it's worthy of celebration, and that's what we do here. We celebrate them. As I've said, we've got our goal of 550 new and upgrading members. You know, this show takes a lot of work by a small group of very busy people, uh, myself included. We love doing it. But if we're gonna keep doing it, if we're gonna keep doing all this work of finding these scripts and, and casting them and recasting when people fall out, and, you know, trying to put together these amazing casts and editing these shows, you know, if we're gonna keep doing this, we need to know that we have a supportive audience. We need to know we have an audience that values what we're doing and is willing to show that they do by donating starting at $5 a month. That's right. It's just a little less than the price of a gallon of gas. Once a year, we have to come to you and ask for your support. So please help us hit our goal. Give it $5 a month, get all the bonus content. Give it $10 a month, get the incredibly cool Dead Pilot Society patch. Give it $20 a month, get the creativity pack or the hat. $35 a month, get the messenger pack. Whatever you do, at whatever level, please be a part of that fraction of the audience that decides that this show has value to them and that they want to support it and make sure that it keeps going. So go to MaximumFun.org slash join. And on behalf of myself, my Dead Pilot Society producing partner, Ben Blacker, our associate producer, Noah Finling, and our editor, Jordan Katz, we thank you so much. I'm Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening and for considering supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org slash join. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported